This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 156 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have mounted shooting champ and Road to the Horse Director of Operations, Tammy Schrantz. We also have Emily Kane, co-founder of WildThink, keeping data like a database of great ideas that's for busting boredom. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st at the 15th of the month. And I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hi. ho. How are you doing, Debbie? Good. I'm good. Thanks for always being there. I'm happy to hear your voice and have you on because I can't wait to share. You know Tammy Sarantz from way back, don't you? I know Tammy Sarantz from way back. We met her during... The World Equestrian Games in Lexington, Kentucky, 2010. Oh, right. Yeah, she came down and was doing mounted shooting demos down there. And she's been a co-host on podcasts and she comes on as a guest. And she's great fun. And she she's an incredibly knowledgeable horsewoman and has great insight into the pitfalls of being a horse-crazy gal She's had a really interesting and exciting and sometimes tragic life, which mm-hmm. we get to hear about, I'm sure. A little, uh, yeah. It's, it's really an interesting, it's always an interesting conversation with, with Tammy because she's one of those people that can chat about almost any topic on the universe and be fun <laughs> and interesting. That's true, especially about horses, too. Especially if it involves horses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's going to be a fascinating conversation. But our second guest, who is in charge of wild things... They're an outfit that is working to bring environmental enrichment to animals of all sorts all yep. over the world. That's right. By keeping this database. And it's, it's not a database in the nerdy kind of sense. It's not a spreadsheet. It's yep. more along the lines of what you might typically find on a Facebook page, but it's not a Facebook page. It's an actual kind website. It's Instagram-y, don't you think? It's Instagram-y. It's got, yeah. it's got pictures and descriptions and ideas and Pinterest-y. So it's very user-friendly. And True. I made the mistake of going there the other day. Don't go there unless you've got time on your hands. Rabbit hole. Yeah, it's, it is really clever. I mean, it's so DIY that I, I got a little nervous, you know, because I, I don't do DIY well. But I thought the ideas were, like, brilliant. Some of them, like a brown paper bag with little holes in it. You know, you can, I can do that, right? They're, they're brilliant that. ideas for all sorts of animals, horses included. And I was looking mm-hmm. through there. I got so many clever ideas and different animal care facilities, mostly zoos, have different requirements as to what they're allowed to put into the mm-hmm. areas where the public can view the, the animals. Uh-huh. So there's That's all right. kind. There are ideas that are extremely natural looking, so that if you looked in the field, you wouldn't see anything but a tree stump. Mm-hmm. And there are others that are very obviously DIY. They speak to me because I'm a incurable tinkerer. Uh, so it's really cool stuff. So I can't wait to share with that with everybody because you're going to be inspired as well. And I think that's very timely because the real shift in horse husbandry, which is what they used to call horse care, <laughs> used to be horse husbandry, True. True. Um, that it's 
better for a horse to have an enriched environment. And an enriched environment is not a square paddock with one species of grass. Right. And an enriched, pa- enriched environment is not a square stall with three feet of bedding and a flake of hay. Right. It, it's a little bit more complex than that. And it genuinely helps the horse's psyche as well as his physical well-being yeah. to have these things. So I'm really excited to share it. Yeah, it's very clever. And she's young and clever, and we just got to follow this gal. So yeah, she's, I absolutely. love her. You're yeah. going to be your friend on Kane. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to do that right after we hear from Omega Fields, who makes a product that will enrich the health of your horse. Omega Fields provides the world's best flax-based omega-3 supplements for horses. Their Omega Horse Shine Supplement is designed to improve health and performance naturally through advanced formulations developed by industry-leading animal health professionals. Here's what Frankie Evans had to say about her experience with Omega Horse Shine. I have been using Omega Horse Shine for about a year now and have seen remarkable results in both my horses, age 24 and 4. They are turned out together yet have very different needs. Omega Horse Shine is a very natural and healthy supplement that has allowed me to successfully and safely address the unique needs of both my horses. I have seen new hoof growth, increased energy, shining coats, and no colic since beginning the new supplements. The extra benefit is the affordable price. I have been very happy with the results. Thanks so much, Omega Fields. Tammy Srantz resides in Fort Worth, Texas. Tammy, a native Australian, came to Texas to train cutting horses. Tammy is a multiple world and national champion cowgirl who can help you in all aspects of cowboy mounted shooting. Yeehaw. Tammy holds national rifle championships and is a previous world record holder. Tammy held the number one ranked cowgirl in the Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association for over four years. In 2013, Tammy was awarded the Craig Farrell MD Equestrian Safety Award for her promotion of riding helmets by Riders for Helmets and is an ambassador for the Troxel Helmets as well. In 2019, Tammy graduated from Colorado State University with a Bachelor's of Science in Communications, and she is currently completing a Master's in Organizational Leadership. She's a brainiac. As well as training and teaching mounted shooting, Tammy is the Director of Operations for Road to the Horse, the World Championship of Colt Starting, which is held annually at the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington, Kentucky. Today, we have her on to learn all about this exciting event, Road to the Horse. Well, welcome, Tammy Sarans. I'm so glad to have you. I don't think we've had you on Horsemanship Radio before. We certainly talk about you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been on a few of the Horse Radio Network shows, but not this one. Oh, my gosh. We've been we've been remiss. I am so glad to have you on, and I can't think of a better time. You've got so many things going, uh, which you normally do, but this time of year, I know it must be <laughs> ramping up. So I, I definitely wanted to talk. I wanted to give the listeners though a little background on you, and you know that you, we we know that you you've got a little Australian going on there and a little Texas going on in there. But tell us about your horsey background. Did you did you grow up with horses? I did. You know, my father was tragically killed in a in a car accident, but he left a couple of horses with my mother. My mother kept them, and I just remember those horses growing up and how important they were for us. And I think that kind of was the the birth of my passion for horses, just watching his horses and 
after that, I really just wanted to really pursue a career with horses. And I knew that, you know, everyone in Australia wants to come to America. It's like, it's like the big land, like the, the dream maker. So I was just like any other Australian. I was like, if I'm going to get serious on horses, by gosh, I'm going to Texas. So yeah. that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Big old Texas too. So you started there and did you start with the, the cutting horses, training cutting horses? I did. I did. And to be honest, I didn't know very much about cutting horses in Australia. I had showed Western pleasure horses, you know, in the times I grew up in like eighties and nineties where you had one horse and it did like everything, you know, you took the Western saddle on and the English saddle on and then you read barrels in it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And you must've had a quarter horse. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. And that's, that's what I did growing up. So coming into cutting horses was really interesting to me. And I kind of landed in the fire. I really wanted to work for a trainer that was really going to push me. And I ended up at Oxbow Ranch with Lindy Birch and was there for many years. And I'm so grateful for her expertise. I mean, without her, I don't feel like I would have been able to achieve what I did in my mounted shooting arena. So, mm-hmm. so cutting horses is where it started for me. Yeah, but you didn't stop there. So, and she she probably saw the spark in you because you not only wanted to excel in the training, the cutting horses, but you went on to mounted shooting, and you didn't just do it, stick a toe in it, girl. You 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 took it on. So, you want to talk a little bit about how did how did you make that transition? It's not that far of a stretch, you know, but how did you? This is this is a true story. I was on a date with somebody who was doing mounted shooting, and I was petrified of firearms, never held one, never touched one, never knew anything about one. But my date was kind of like, hey, you want to give this a try? And, you know, everyone's trying to impress everybody. And I was like, heck yeah, count me in, you know. So that's <laughs> Always wanted to, right? Shooting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But so you, you it was get like, to number one. You get to well, I did, you know. <laughs> Yes, I started. What did he say? And, well, you know, he just thought it was it was business as usual. It had no idea of my internal turmoil of the situation. <laughs> but I have this little thing in me that makes me extremely competitive in no matter what I'm doing, whether it's college work or my, uh, you know, equestrian marketing career, mounted shooting, uh, whatever I do, I'm all in. So that's kind of how I went into mounted shooting. I'm like, okay, I'm in this. So I'm, I'm all in and you, you live it and you breathe it. And it's, you get butterflies in your stomach thinking about your next competition. You know, it was my entire world. And I think that's really how you have to be if you want to achieve the level that I was able to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you did. And we read some of that, you know, introducing you. And but people should go on your website and see because you could really flesh out what you, what you've achieved, and it makes good sense that you you use those quarter horses that are so versatile and um, just can speed must be a big part of it or pace is a big part of the shooting. Yeah, absolutely. Speed is is obviously you know the final result that you want, but. You know, one of the things that I found, and I credit Lindy Birch and Oxbow for this, is you can have all the speed if you in the world, and you're not going to win if you don't have control. Yeah, and if you have control of that horse in a timed event, then you can save steps, and you don't need as much speed because you can flow through your patterns and go where you want to go. 
efficiently. And I think that was the biggest thing that made me successful is I didn't focus solely on speed. I worked on making my horses just good horses, nice and soft in the face and able to move laterally. And I think that was really the thing that made me different is I had a strong foundation. That makes total sense. And and it makes sense, too, that your competitive nature is what is helping you excel at something like the road to the horse too. So running that whole road to the horse, we're going to get to, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm excited because I'm, I'm going this year. So I want to hear all about it. But before that, I mean, you, you've done some other things that are kind of pivotal in your life too. Like you were awarded the, um, an MD equestrian safety award, Craig Farrell, Mm -hmm. MD equestrian safety award for promotion of riding helmets and um, and you're an ambassador for Troxel and you know was that that was that due to that you, you were hit by a drunk driver I believe in early to 2012 yeah yep yep 2012 I was driving home from a work event at the Fort Worth Stock Show and really was kind of living my dream at the world level having clinics and traveling around full-time and just competing and was hit by a drunk driver at a traffic light. They had gone mm-hmm. through a red light and kind of T-boned me. And, and you know, the hardest thing about that, I had a, a traumatic brain injury and some conditions associated with that. But if you kind of put all your eggs in one basket and you see yourself as the, the champion mounted shooter that I saw myself, when you're not that person anymore, it's devastating. It's Mm. like, I can't leave the house. I can't drive. I can't remember where I put anything like who, who am I anymore? And it was just heartbreaking for Mm. me. I'm, I, I just can't, you know, I look back and I just think, wow, you know, that was, that was probably one of the most traumatic things of, of having to reinvent myself. Okay. Yeah. If I'm not that person, who am I? Mm-hmm. And that's what inspired my, you know, I had surgery on my head and I had to wear a helmet. It was wear a helmet yeah. or you know, yeah. risk further injury. And I've just grown to, to love my helmet mm. and a huge thank you to Troxel for supporting me through yeah. that emotional journey with me. Oh, but, uh, yeah. I'm glad you're did, yep. did you have to get away from your horses at that point or did you, did you run to I, them? <laughs> oh, you did. I, I, well, I ran to them when I could. What I did, I had surgery and I had tubes in the back of my head and I couldn't go out. And one day I thought to just like every other horse person to heck with it. I'm going out to visit my horse. So I snuck out of the house, walked down to the barn and I was exhausted. I, I didn't have the strength. So I sat down on the ground and I remember my world champion horse coming up to me and he stood over me like this guardian angel and I held on to his left front leg, just wrapped it like a bear hug. And I looked up at him and I thought, you know me so well and you know I'm not well. And he stayed there and hovered over me until I had the strength to get up and go back to my house. And I will never forget that. I'm like... (laughs) We've done a lot of things together, but for him to like, and, and maybe he wanted his belly scratched. Like, I don't know what <laughs> he was thinking, but, but I, I loved him more. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I, I don't know if it's possible to love him more, but that moment, he really just gave me comfort. 
And uh, that's just a little thing that I'll never forget that day. Yeah, they know. They, you yeah. know, someday science will catch up with us, but they know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've gone on and done great things. Now, fast forward 2019, you graduated from Colorado State University with a bachelor's in communication, and you're, you're going for a master's. Is that right? I am. I'm halfway halfway through my master's. My neurologist, after my brain injury, told me to stay engaged. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, I got it. I'm engaged. <laughs> but, but master's in organizational leadership, that's a tough engage. You know, you could have, like, taken up chess or dancing. <laughs> yes. And if someone had told me this would be me in a corporate position, you know, but still at school full time, I would have thought they were crazy because I've never really considered myself smart. I'm just competitive, you know. <laughs> so, you can be both. Look at you. No, that's yes, amazing. It's yes. amazing. We're very yeah, proud of I, you. I would, I went back. Yes, I'm. I'll be excited. I graduated here from from Colorado State, and you know, it's just even. I'm sitting on a 4.0 with a TBI, so I, I look at other people and I'm like, "Don't give me none of your excuses." That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, exactly. Buck yeah. it up. Buck it up. You know, and yes. CSU, home of Temple Grandin, a professor. They just, I know, just yes, last week was in the her. news. Yes, with the equine center that they just opened up there, just totally amazing. So Colorado State, woohoo! You guys are, you guys are doing it. You yeah. know, for for the horse and for for people who work with their horses, which is pretty darn yeah. amazing. Love that school. I'd love uh, some the some of the students have come out of that school have been amazing. So I'm sure it was a, yeah. a no brainer for you to go there, right? It was. I had been up to their uh, university a few times when I worked for Oxbow Ranch, taking uh, Betcher Blue Boons up for you know, breeding uh, work and stuff like that. So I'd always had this little spot in my heart for CSU since then. So it was just a natural that I wanted to pursue an academic career there. Fantastic. Well, we're having Temple Grandin out in June for our third annual event we call The Movement. So it's The Movement 2020 this year, and she'll be keynote, and she'll be working with Dad, Monty, and and some other amazing people, too, from the oh, mindfulness wow. world. And yeah, we've got um, we've got people coming from the UK who are speaking. We've uh, we really have it's three days. We moved it from two days to three days. So we're real excited about that, too. But that just reminds me about event planning. Like I get nervous. This is our <laughs> third year. And I think, oh, OK, this year will be easy. Uh-uh. It's just nerve wracking. How yes. do you do the road to yeah. the horse in the capacity that you do? You know, it's tough. And we just finished the collegiate version of Road to the Horse at the Fort Worth Stock Show. And I think the one takeaway that I got from producing that event for the first time is the show will go on is really true. <laughs> like <laughs> The time will pass, the day will come, and ready or not, yeah. we're rolling. <laughs> so, yes, that's what I learned from the collegiate event. Tell me about the collegiate events. Is this is the first year? Yes, this is the very first year. We were kind of sitting in the office and brainstorming ideas, and we have a, a big passion for youth and a passion for education. So we thought, you know, how about we do a road to the horse with collegiate ranch horse teams, and we'll do things a little different than road to the horse, and we'll put these teams together with fillies from the four sixes, and... Okay. We'll see if it works. So we just completed that, and 
It was phenomenal. How, it was. It was so phenomenal. how is it different from Road? So so maybe you should tell us what the format for Road to the Horse is a little bit yeah. for people who don't know. And then how collegiate was maybe possibly different besides the mm-hmm. ages of the people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Road to the Horse is a very condensed format where the competitors get two rounds that are an hour and 45 minutes. And then the finals, which are 45 minutes. So you have a round pen session of one hour and 45. Next day, the same thing. And then coming into the finals, you get 50 minutes to start in the round pen and then complete a series of obstacles. So it's very tight, very condensed. And the colts that are coming in are three-year-old geldings, and they are not halter broke. You're kind of gentling them to the halter for the first time, which, which takes quite a bit of time. So they are judged on their ability to communicate with the horse, the horse's demeanor, and their demeanor. So there's a lot of different ways to get to the to the end result. It's just how your communication and your and how's the relationship with you and your horse. So that's kind of the road to the horse format. Is there? So, it's open to male, female. Any distinctions there? Yes, anybody, any discipline. English, Western, we've had some show jumpers come through. Vicky Wilson from New Zealand has won the event twice in, in an English battle, and she has a show jumping career in New Zealand and was very successful. And then we have other clinicians that have won, like Craig Cameron, Ken McNabb um, is competing. So it's really quite diverse, the competitors that come to the event. Yeah, so the collegiate was just to, to create a division. They don't have to be adults in there because they're in a, in a college setting. Yeah. And, and what was your biggest goal of creating the collegiate thing? To really inspire a generation of horse mm-hmm. trainers without sounding too, you know, <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. Um, like, yeah. like a, yeah, a pageant answer, but it's really important to us that we really promote horsemanship to these colleges at at a more youthful kind of level and give them role models to follow by and let them know that there's a platform where they can showcase and work together as a team to display their horsemanship because there's a lot of collegiate events out there, but there's not one dedicated to horsemanship and cult starting. So that's what we wanted to do is kind of create something new. I love that. I, I love that. I mean, I don't know where you land with the unbridled movie from a few years ago, but I think it kind of, that that movie sort of said, oh, look, these kids are coming right out of college and they don't want to start life yet. They love their horses and that was part of their mm-hmm. collegiate experience and they headed for the hills with these Mustangs. It's pretty crazy, actually. Yes. Yeah, we were, we were very impressed with how these collegiate teams, they, the feel they had for those feelies in the round pen. So... The big differences from Road to the Horse to the Collegian was the Collegian used two-year-old fillies instead of three-year-old geldings from the Four Sixes Ranch just right. because that was what was available, all the three-year-old geldings okay. coming to Road to the Horse. So the other difference is we had an extra round in there. So the Collegian teams got three rounds in the round pen before they had to go on to the final round with the obstacle course. And the fillies that came to the collegiate event had already been gentled and desensitized and were able to be haltered and led. So that really saved probably a a good 45 minutes to an hour of their competition time. So they could really walk right in, you know, kind of catch their filly and go to desensitizing to a saddle and stuff straight away. 
mm-hmm. and that really we just wanted these kids we didn't want to make it easy for certain but we wanted to make it where they could succeed yeah because we want them to. yeah so that was a big difference that yeah, makes makes good sense to me yeah started off right great so are you pleased with the results will you do it again yes i can't confirm we are but all the feedback we've had especially from the stock show was was amazing um there is a recap video on the Road to the Horse website, if, if someone's listening and they're kind of curious of what it looked like, yeah. they can just go to roadtothehorse.com and on the Collegiate tab, there's a video that kind of recaps the entire competition. But, yeah. you know, there was an energy there that you can't script. Like these kids were so excited and so passionate and so good. I, you know, when I got into the collegiate deal, I thought, man, this is really bad timing. This is right before Road to the Horse. Like, <laughs> whose idea was this, you know? <laughs> and, I believe you. <laughs> but watching this, what do I want to call them children, watching these young horsemen and horsewomen, there was one girl on every team, not because we specified it had to be, but there were some amazing horsewomen out there. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, yeah it was just, Gosh, I I I loved it. Loved it. Can't believe yes. they call it a job. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We won't tell. But <laughs> I, it seems like I got to go to that that next year too. So what what should I be looking forward to? What my first road to the horse in March, just in like a month now, close. And and I yeah I feel for you right now. So don't think about it that way. But think about me. <laughs> what, Yes. What, what's the first thing I'm going to see when I see that Ramuda? Am I going to, you know, I'm already picking my horses, by the way, Tammy. I already, you know, Jesse's buckle looks you pretty know, good. I, yes, they they are some beautiful horses coming in. I've already got a couple of favorites myself. Okay. Tell me, yeah, okay, later, tell me, yeah, okay. And so we see that Ramuda, Muda, and yep. we uh, we start picking start picking our horses, and are, or are we picking? by the trainer or is it a personality thing that I'm looking for or am I looking for the horse you know it's really funny because I you go into road to the horse and you're like I'm a Ken McNabb fan or I'm a Craig Cameron fan or I'm a Wade Black fan you know they're all our main competitors this year but when when you actually walk in and take a seat and the horses gallop in for the first time you're just like I'm so in love with them like you just reminded of the beauty and the privilege we have to work with these amazing animals. That's the thing that gets me first. I'm like, wow, like horses. What, what, what else is there? <laughs> exactly. It's not road to the cowboys. It's road to the horses. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds elementary, but we're just taken back by the beauty of why we love these animals so much. So, that would be the first thing. The running of the Remuda is special. But then you really don't, whether you're one of the competitors' fans or not, you're fans for everybody and you're fans for the horse. And you watch them kind of join up and, and have a partnership and, you know, cross a pole for the first time and get a saddle for the first time and lope the first circle, you know, in the round pen with a saddle. And it's full of these little milestones that you just kind of check in, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's super exciting. Oh, good! I I can't wait. So thank you for all the tips and 
you know, hotel tips you gave, you've given me over the last couple of months too. I, <laughs> I can't wait to see you out there. I'll buy you something, a drink, a food, anything I can get for you. Cause I, I know how stressed you're going to be, <laughs> but, but if there's anything I could do, I would be happy to do it, but I'm so excited to see you out. And so people should go to the road to the horse.com and they should yeah. hopefully have their tickets already. I'm sure it's getting really unwieldy with tickets at this point. It's Yeah, we are getting full, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then for those that can't make it, I mean, I can't announce it right now, but if they keep an eye on the website towards the end of February, there is going to be a live stream pay-per-view option. So for some reason, if you can't make it to the event, which you should because the shopping there besides the amazing horse. Alone, exactly. Fabulous. (laughs) But um, there is an option to watch it, um, a pay-per-view, and those details are released at the end of February, and they will show you all the cult starting action from, from Lexington. Okay, but buy your tickets if you can get there. Stay at an Airbnb yeah, so be at the hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, get there if you can. I was blown away my first event. I just thought this was another expo or fair and i've seen quite a few like i'm sure uh, everyone has but this is kind of it's just different it's it's a little you're on this little journey with these competitors together with the horses and it's just it's just awesome though. well maybe you can hook I'm, me up with some of these trainers too I'd, I'd love to have them on the show we've had craig cameron we've had chris cox and a few of the guys richard winters but i would i'd love to talk to them about this experience i've never I've never talked to them specifically about this, and they're amazing. Yes. You know, Barbara Schulte is a um, yes. cutting horse trainer. She was a judge, and she's doing some wrap-up kind of deals on the collegian. She would be a fabulous oh. one to chat with. And then Ben Baldus was our uh, host, and he is a open ranch versatility world champion. Okay. And uh, he done a phenomenal job hosting the event. So he's also a, a bank of knowledge. But, Do that. yeah, it was just. It was great. Great. Thank you. We love supporting it. We love supporting you and um, hearing all about these things. So um, we'll have you back and we can talk a little bit about maybe getting you out to the movement and meeting some of us out here. But good luck yeah. on the road to the horse. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it will be. And, you know, it's it's your college buddy, Temple Grandin. So you got to do that. <laughs> fan of hers I've, I've have seen her in person at one of the cowgirl hall of fame things but i've never had a conversation with her so i'm i'm a bit of a you know i'm a bit of a super fan for for her starstruck me too and you know what she is everything we make her up to be too she's she's pretty amazing really? very authentic very authentic and she's yes. the flight animal this is what i love about her she is ask her anything yeah. From the horse's perspective, and she is it. It's really cool. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Love, loved her. Ever since I saw the movie, yeah. I know there's probably some differences in the movie than real life. Not this much. She said. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. It. Yes. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal much. lady. Yeah. Great. Well, we will see you at the Road to the Horse. Tammy Serrance, thanks for being on Horsemanship yeah. Radio. Thank you so much. Hi, Carol Herter here, president of Cavallo, home of the world's most trusted and popular hoof boots. You know, one of the most interesting parts of what I do is the many horsey stories I get to hear. Most of them are really uplifting. Some are stories of challenges, and a few are downright sad. Recently, a wonderful woman took the time to approach us at a show to share a story about her horse who went down in quicksand. 
It started out as a really scary story. We were holding our breaths, waiting for the outcome, and it turned out wonderful. They winched the horse out relatively unscathed, albeit, you know, a little traumatized, and everyone standing around were super amazed that he still had his cavallo hoof boots on. Scary story with a good ending. Another testament to Cavallo. If you don't have a pair for your horse, it's time. Cavallos are easy to put on, easy to take off when you want to take them off, and they stay on. They stay on in all terrain. Cavallo, the world's most trusted hoof boots. Emily Kane is striving to change the way that animals are cared for in captive settings. Co-founder of Wild Think, a nonprofit that is dedicated to designing and providing enrichment-related resources for animal care professionals, WildThink created the Animal Vending Machine, engaging the way captive animals find enjoyment in their environment. Emily has a master's degree in zoo, aquarium, and animal shelter management. Who better to help us with tips to beat stall boredom in horses? Well, welcome, Emily Kane. I'm so happy to have you on Horsemanship Radio. How are you? You're in Iowa today, correct? I am in Iowa today, yeah. Been surprisingly warm here, but we're supposed to get some snow in a little bit, so not looking forward to that. But That doesn't surprise me, but you're an outdoor girl. You seem very animal-centric to me. You'd almost have to be to have your job, And, um, and I wanted to have you on because I think it's fascinating that you're not only a scientist, well educated. Do we have to call you doctor, Emily Kane? Oh, no. (laughs) I'm not a doctor. (laughs) Okay. You have your master's, though, from a very popular school in the horse world. Uh, Colorado State University is, um, you know, pretty much epicenter these days of all the news for uh, good science and good horses. And I like to say the um, home of Temple Grandin. Did you ever have a class with her? I did, actually. I um, was able to take a class with her when I was in undergraduate. I took a class on just her her class about designing livestock enclosures and shoots and things like that. And it was so incredible to hear her speak every week and listen to her talk about animals' minds from her perspective. And it was just so counterintuitive to me because we had to design our own kind of cattle shoot and pie-shaped pens and everything like that. And it was actually one of the most challenging things I think I had to do um, animal-related in undergraduate school. It was just so counterintuitive. But when you thought about it from her perspective and the animal's perspective of the notion of the animals coming back to where they came from with that kind of S-shaped curve that she does with the cattle shoots, um, it made complete sense. And it was kind of like, wow, how did how did nobody think of this before? So yeah, it was really cool to take a class with her. I can't imagine. Do you think you changed any of your thinking due to that class besides being expanded? But Yeah, I mean... I hadn't taken many classes, if any at all, that focused on livestock, horses, things like that. I had kind of more focused on small mammals, dogs, cats, exotics, and animals like that. So to think about animals that are a prey species, actually, and think about how they perceive their world from kind of a more constantly on the lookout on their toes, a little bit terrified, you know, very hyper aware of everything that definitely kind of changed my mind about how animals look at the world and encouraged me to look at the world 
or try to look at the world from animals' perspectives when I am designing enrichment or taking care of them or designing exhibits or modifying their enclosures. She definitely opened my eyes to looking at things from their perspective. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Oh, so fascinating. You got to take a class. I'm so glad that you do have a little uh, temple in that hypervigilance of animals, the flight animal in you. So let's talk about this enrichment, enrichment related resources that you provided. And so how would you define enrichment for somebody that that's the first time they've heard an expression like that? Yeah. So there's actually no consensus to what the, there's no proper definition for enrichment. It's actually a relatively new practice uh, within probably the last 50 years, I want to say. But enrichment is the practice of giving animals things to increase their their mental and physical activity. So some definitions kind of are centered around increasing animal activity and reducing abnormal behaviors. So um, you see things like pacing, weaving, and in horses, you see cribbing or crib biting a lot. So enrichment can help increase their regular behaviors and decrease those abnormal behaviors. Mm-hmm. It also provides stimulation and overall welfare, gives them something to do, right? Because if you have an animal in an enclosure or a stall or a, a crate, they're going to get bored, right? Because they're meant to be doing something all day. So enrichment is anything you can give them to kind of keep their their minds and bodies occupied. Um, and then the third thing that enrichment really does is aims to increase their natural behavior. So you look at animals like take a, a horse, for example, right? Horses spend most of their awake time feeding, foraging, grazing through the grass, right? Enrichment can also be something that you want to help give them access and resources to do those behaviors in a confined or captive environment. Right. So kind of so, lots of definitions there. Oh, but. it's it's perfect though, because give me an example of that last one. I'm thinking slow fear. Exactly. Yep. So okay. I've heard a lot about hay bags. I've heard of things called hay pillows. And I think that's mm-hmm. a, a brand of um, enrichment device. It's like a big looks like a mattress that you put on the floor that you fill with hay. And that's a type of slow feeder. Yeah, it's out and they can, Another, they can nibble at it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. And they have to work to pull the hay kind of through the the little openings in the hay pillow. Another one that people use a lot are jolly balls mm-hmm. um, or the Uncle Jimmy's balls that mm-hmm. you can hang from the top of the stall and um, they have some food in there and the horse can kind of knock it around, but it can't hold it still. So it takes a long time for the horse to kind of eat around the treat, even salt licks and things like that, I would definitely consider enrichment because there's things that the horse can use to occupy their time and occupy their mouths and their brains and their bodies. Yeah. And how do you, so you're building a database, which I think is so cool of all these ideas for people who, because there hasn't been one place where all these ideas are. Is that true? Yeah. So we're actually one of the first to do that. I haven't found in all of my searching, I haven't actually found an open access free enrichment database that's just available for anybody to use. And I thought, and my business partner, Nick, also, we thought that it was definitely something that is needed in the animal care field. It's really easy to kind of get wrapped up in 
a routine of giving the same enrichment, you know, maybe if you're a zookeeper or to just feed your animal because, you know, feeding your animal is definitely one of the biggest responsibilities and it's easy to just do that in the easiest way and the most convenient way. So we thought that having all of these different enrichment ideas for every species we could think of in one spot would help zookeepers, laboratory technicians, you know, pet owners, barn owners, horse owners, everybody be able to go and find really cool DIY enrichment ideas that they can just, you know, do for basically for free with found items and then implement for their animals. Love that idea. And why hasn't anybody thought of it? So what's Nick's name? He's co-founder of this Wild Think is what you call your nonprofit foundation, your nonprofit organization. It's basically a website, right? What's Nick's last name? Yeah. Nick's last name is Natov. Okay. Nick Natov. Nick Natov. I got to give full credit to Emily Kane and Nick Natov uh, for co- co-founding Wild Thing, which I just think, so it's, you describe it as a nonprofit dedicated to designing and providing enrichment-related resources for animal care professionals. But you're really saying this is for anybody who has an animal that you you want to create a better environment for them to be happier, healthier, more naturally uh, motivated to to get through life. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think we kind of started it out more geared towards zookeepers because that's kind of the field that Nick and I both came from. But as time has gone on and I've talked to more and more people, I've realized that the enrichment resource is just as valuable for pet owners, um, people who have barns, people who have, you know, rabbits at home, parrots at home, um, really anybody, yeah, who's looking to um, improve their animal's welfare and keep them stimulated and happy uh, could hop onto our website and find a ton of different fun ideas to uh, give to their animals. Yeah, I love that. Why do you think we like to watch animals eat so much? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I definitely like that. I think oh. it's satisfying. It may be coming from a kind of a caretaker perspective, I guess, you know, kind of like, you know, I like cooking and baking for other people sometimes, <laughs> but, you know, kind of providing food for something else is kind of like a taking care of something. It's that satisfaction of knowing that you are providing something essential and something that makes that other being happy. You know, food is, food is universal. Everything eats, um, every animal eats. And I think that's one thing we can also connect over is that satisfaction of eating something really good. Mm, yeah. So that's oh, a that's good so question. Nice. I've never thought about that before. <laughs> we really do, right? I love going out and feeding ducks and I love seeing my horses happily munch. And yeah. And, and I, and I love your slogan, though. I read it somewhere on your Facebook page. People should go. It is loaded with the the coolest, funniest, most natural, um, instinctual things that animals do. But I love the slogan of no, there's no free lunch. Um, t- tell us why you said that. No free lunch. Yeah. I mean, no, we I actually I don't remember saying that. Maybe, maybe you didn't say that. But <laughs> maybe Nick said it. Yeah. Um, I it, it, it looked um, as if yeah, you were saying they had to work for their food a little bit, right? Yes, absolutely. Animals in the wild, I mean, every animal has to, the, the basis of survival is eating, right? Whether you're a predator or you're a prey animal or you're somewhere in between, every single animal spends time looking for food, hunting, foraging, whatever it is. And so when you put an animal 
in a setting where they live under human care. And, you know, if you just give them a bowl of food, they're not working for their food like they would be in the wild. So they're not using their brains and their bodies the way that they were intended to be used. And so what you can see actually in lots of different animals, and it kind of depends on the species, the type of of abnormal behaviors you see, but animals who don't have their the ability to express these normal, natural behaviors like foraging or hunting or searching for food, they actually start exhibiting what we call abnormal or stereotypic behaviors. And so those are behaviors that are unnecessarily repetitive. They don't really serve any function, but they're a way of coping with the animal's inability to express these natural innate behaviors that they need to express. Okay. So, so give you us might some, see yeah. things like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like pacing or rocking back and forth and primates, you see a lot of rocking back and forth and kind of hugging their bodies. You can see lots of hair plucking or self-grooming yeah. in big cats and bears who are kind of restricted by size. You know, have such big home ranges and you put them in environments where they have kind of a restricted area to move about. You can see lots of pacing or walk, rocking, ba- or walking back and forth. Horses, cribbing, and I think um, weaving are two of the biggest big ones, ones that, yeah. yeah so and you're saying it's not just, and lots of- yeah, you're not, you're saying it's not just stress. I think a lot of people just chalk that up to stress. You're saying that it's, it's that they uh-huh. haven't been able to actually manifest what they do naturally in their uh, natural environment, where they're, you know, where originating from their natural environment. And and I think that's really interesting. You should yeah. tell us about your animal vending machine. That you Do you have a patent pending on it or is it actually patented now? Patent pending, yep. So ah, hopefully good we'll job. get that here soon. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, tell us because I think yeah, that so explains I'm- a lot about what you're, you're saying, how you overcome these boredom things. Yeah, so basically the, an- the animal vending machine is, kind of what you go back to when you said no free lunch. We want to encourage animals to interact with their environment, whether it be in a zoo, in a sanctuary, in a laboratory, wherever they are. We want to encourage them to interact with their environment in the way that they would interact with their environment in the wild. The animal vending machine is an enrichment device that we developed as Wild Think to originally for primates, and we're still kind of in the primate phase, but hopefully we'll, we'll expand it to other species. But basically, what it does is it is a vending machine. So apes can search their environment for tokens, mm-hmm. put the tokens in the top of the vending machine, and then a food reward comes out of the bottom. So instead of just getting a food dump or a free lunch from their caretakers, the animals are actually having to look for their food. So they're having to search their enclosures. Maybe the tokens, these little plastic, they look like little plastic coins. Maybe they're frozen in an ice block. Maybe they're in a bag of hay. Maybe they're under a log. Maybe they're strung up to the very top of their enclosure. So the animals actually have to forage, search, problem solve to find these tokens and then go exchange them with the vending machine. So they're doing exactly what they would be doing in the wild, but we're replicating that wild foraging, you know, looking for fruits, looking for trees, remembering, Mm -hmm. you know, where to find things, where to look for things. We're replicating those wild behaviors in a captive setting. So that's kind of the, the purpose of the animal vending machine. And it's really cool to see the apes use it. It is. They're, they're brilliant. I have no idea how you train them to do that. I, I, you know, I'd probably, 
you know, they probably eat my tokens. I don't, I don't know how you get them started. <laughs> we'll have to have another, another interview someday about how you get the, the whole concept in their minds. They're very intelligent, so I'm sure it's not as hard as it sounds, but, but I'd love to oh, see yeah, the whole you process. Just, you just show them and then they just do it. So it's pretty easy. Really? Oh my gosh, it's that easy, huh? Well, yeah. we've all heard of, you oh, know. Oh yeah, the, they're so smart. Oh, they're so smart. And, and the boredom buster idea, you know, is out there. And I, and I love it that, you know, that, Uncle Jimmy and some of these some of these companies have thought of things to do, but I really think the brain pooling, what you're pulling together for WildThink, is what's really going to catapult people finding clever and more clever things to do. And I really applaud you and Nick that you've done this. And I I would love to have you back and talk about more ideas. I hope I encourage everybody to go to the website. What is that? Is it WildThink.org? Tell me. Yes, wildthink.org. Good. Okay, great. Go to wildthink.org and go to the Facebook page and see what people are putting up there because I know you cross post and all these clever ideas. I saw some meerkats on there that I was almost in tears. It was so cute and funny and, and little foxes, you teaching, teaching them to pounce the pounce, or maybe it's the pounce reflex you're just encouraging. Maybe that's the way to say it. Yeah, uh, yep. Right. And you're, you're putting, you put hay down and you had, I don't know, little crawly things underneath some bugs and some food, but it was really more about just them playing and pouncing and keeping their natural, the thing that in their DNA that they want to do, which is a manifest out of, you know, what they need to do to, to feed themselves. It's fascinating, fascinating, Emily. And I'm so glad that you agreed to come on as our guest. It was really fun to have you and I hope we can have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in Dear Monty, my mare typically kicks when I release her for join-up, which does not seem too safe of an environment. Any advice on how to make her get rid of this habit? I do the orientation and then release it to a clock, but initially she wouldn't leave. And then when I do send her off, she does that. But for a while, she kicks and she speeds a lot and she cuts through the circle and she changes direction at her own convenience as obviously I try to keep a bit of distance. And she seems to be unpredictable. She is clearly a dominant type of mare, and I started working with the Dooley Halter a month ago, which seemed to pay off significantly in terms of her respecting my space, standing still, etc., but join up is really not working, or only partially working for now. She doesn't seem very interested for the first 10 to 15 minutes. Should she be long-lined before trying join up as a rule? Monty's answer. The behavior described is seen seldom, but is a concern. I have been successful overcoming this situation by carrying plastic bags on a stick with me. Using the plastic bags to send her away will generally stop down any kicking. The unasked for turning is probably because you're not placing your body slightly behind your mare's forward motion. Use the plastic bags to send her in the same direction for an appropriate number of revolutions, the flight distance of a horse. 
At some point before I decide to attempt join up, I typically toss the plastic bags toward the gate and achieve join up from the opposite side of the round pin. This is outlined in my textbook from my hands to yours, and there are many examples on my online university. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. A couple years ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, mm-hmm. but uh, we we uh, had you on a, a number of our shows talking yeah. about the Equus Online University, which had just yeah. come out. It has developed. It's become better with the search engine in it, and it's become better with the forum because we have such an amazing forum. You know, a lot of those forums, people get on there and go, oh, no, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yeah, usually it's, it ends up with the whiners on forums. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's not. What I see is a mentoring. Actually, it's, it's almost the polar opposite. Because um, the, we, we do give these rosettes out for people who've completed so many lessons. And uh, once the rosettes started, now we have, uh, we're up to five rosettes uh, for somebody who's watched every lesson. And you, you have those rosettes by your forum uh, personality in your profile. And uh, so you can really see who's watched all these things. So it gives them credibility when they come in and say, hey, if you watch this lesson. So people come on there and they're using it as a, um, is a training tool, frankly, you know, and they get on there and, and I'm not bragging on, on the university as the greatest training tool, which I think it is, but it's also a great place for people to be mentored as they begin their journey with horses. Um, it really, it really is cool. So when they watch the lessons and they can watch them over and over again, as many times as they want, they get the lesson notes, they get audio, they get visual, and then they've got the forum to kick around too. Plus, we've got now since 2004, every week, without fail, we put up a Q&A from Monty himself. He chose the question, he answered it, and we put it in a database. And that's actually free for everybody to search and get to. It's it's open on our um, Equus Online University. In other words, it's a non-subscriber open source forum too. Uh, not forum, but a Q&A base. Uh, the forum is not. You're, you're behind a subscriber wall for the forum just so we know who's talking. But it is... Um, it is it's been an incredible experience actually to put these together with Stefan Peters and Will Simpson. You know who I'm talking about. These, these guys have won everything yep. in their worlds and, uh, Charlotte Bredals. And, and if I get started, Rich, Richard Winters and so many guest lecturers that are on there too. So some people ask, why is it called university? Well, that's what a university is. It's, uh, it's not just one opinion. It's not just one deliverer, you know, and, and I think that's the difference between the, uh, everybody is putting out a YouTube. These days, and they're free. So people ask us sometimes, why do you charge like up to ten dollars a month? And well, it's it's expensive to make the university. Everybody knows quality is is uh, not cheap, but it, it's really our mission statement. And I know that sounds a bit trite, but it's true. <laughs> when you when you've worked at it for five years, just to get all that quantified and on there, they're just almost no subjects we haven't covered at this point. But um, but Dad and I were looking at the list, and he goes. Hey, I'm going to be making videos until well into my 90s. And I went, yes. So, <laughs> promise and sign here. <laughs> so, so we do have, we do have a lot of subjects left to go and a lot of people we want to still get on there. What do you think of it, Glenn? Well, I think that one of the things about training horses as it, same as training anything really, no. uh, is that you're, you're going through stages and you're always coming up to a new 
problem to solve uh-huh. or a new issue to deal with. And what I like about the university now that you have so much content on there mm-hmm. is that whatever issue you're running into, there's going to be something on there to help you. So not many people are going to go on there and watch all, you know, all the videos mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many of them. What you're going to, what you're going to want to do is go on there and you're going to want to watch the videos that relate to the situation you're in currently with right. that particular horse. Um, and, and that's what I like about it is it has, it has so much content now that whatever you're dealing with, you're probably going to find an answer somewhere, somehow. And if not, you can go to the forum. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I, I really like about it is wherever you're at now is where you can find that situation. Plus, you know, YouTube is so full of crap now. And I'm not saying that every video on there is crap, but there are, we all know what we're talking about. Uh, there are some that are. And, you know, one of the things that, I really like about this is you know you can trust it. Uh, you know that w- what you're seeing is something you can trust. I've tried doing repairs on uh, appliances and things off of YouTube videos. <laughs> and, and you know, some of them are good, some are not so good. And some, one of the things I couldn't get back together again. So, oh. was, you know, it's, you know, that. <laughs> At least you didn't hurt yourself. That's right. Good. <laughs> so that's what I really like about it. And for that, yes, it costs a few, it costs a few pennies to do it, but it's worth it. Uh, nice. you know, it's worth it to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it is tried and true. Everything on there is so tried and true. If not, you know, we'd be, they'd be throwing tomatoes at us in the forum. <laughs> but it really does work. And, and we, we are so happy that, uh, so many people have been, um, interested enough at least to go there, you know, and I should plug in the, the website right now is, um, www.montyrobertsuniversity.com, um, because people can get a free day pass on there and go see what we're talking about and, uh, and check out that search engine too. You can put in the weird little keywords and you, you find all kinds of crazy stuff. It really is cool. And it breaks it down by, um, not just the lessons first, then it goes into the Q and A database and then it goes into the forum. So you can actually pick and choose where you, um, pick up those keywords from too. So, um, it, it's great. And then you also have little challenge questions, which I love the little tests at the end. You know, there's always four questions at the end of your lesson to make sure that, you know, you were, you were watching. And, um, if, if you get it wrong, it just says, want to try again? <laughs> and so you, by process of elimination, you get it right. And then it, it moves you on. And that's how you get your rosettes that you've accomplished that, um, that lesson and that you get to move on. But I, you know, what you just said is so important because when we were setting this, idea up. Um, nothing really existed like it. We didn't want it to be first you have to do one and then you have to do number two and then you have to do number three. And like it was some sort of programmed process. Yeah, because that, that never works. It doesn't. It, <laughs> no. you know, because we wanted people who were amazing trainers to jump in there and go, this is what I, you know, what does Monty say about this? Or what does this trainer say about that? Uh, and they could be at a world-class level, or it could be a very beginner saying, where do I start first? And you, you can just go down the lessons if you want. But you know, it's like you said, if all of a sudden you have a horse that won't load and you didn't have one last week that didn't load, you know, you go to the loading lessons right. and it's exactly. a whole series on it. <laughs> And it's MontyRobertsUniversity.com. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and 
four-legged, May 1 through 3, we have our next Horstensen Healing Clinic. And then May 14th, it's Monty's 85th birthday. Very excited to celebrate that one. May 18 to 22, we have advanced exams with Denise Heinlein and Monty at the farm, Flag is Up Farms. Then we have June 21, 22, and 23, the movement 2020.com with Monty Roberts, Temple Grandin, Rick Lamb, and other outstanding speakers and trainers. We have nine of them now that are all amazing and all in different areas. So that is the movement2020.com. And then June 29 to July 3, it's Monty Special Training Brazil. We have it in Portuguese. And then July 24 through 26, we have another horse and healing. Midsummer, And then we've got August 3 through 7, our Monty's special training, English speaking, <laughs> just at the farm, Flag is Up Farms, and that's in Solvang, California. And then August 17 through 28, we have the Gentling Wild Horses course, which is always fun. It's a great one to watch or participate in. And then September 11 through 13, it's our last, one of the last horse sense and healings for the year. And then we also have same weekend as CHA, the Certified Horsemanship Association, an equine facility management certification course. They call it the EFM. And that will be at Flag is Up Farms as well. And we have some wonderful certifiers coming for that too. Very high up, hint, hint. Hint, hint. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's going to be a fascinating weekend because you have so much going on. If someone oh, wants to fine. attend... The horse sense and healing, or has a has a friend or loved one who wants to attend a horse sense and healing, any of them, what is the best procedure for them to follow? What do they need to do? I would love to have anybody who thinks that that is an appropriate event clinic for them, then go to the website at montyroberts.com and then click on the the tab that we have that talks about both horse sense and healing and then our other program for at-risk uses lead up. But click on the horse sense and healing tab and read all about the program. And if it's something that you feel like it's appropriate or you're a supporter of somebody that should come to the horse sense and healing because it's it's an amazing life trajectory changing program for someone who's suffering from post-traumatic stress. We open that up to veterans and first responders. So that's EMTs, nurses, police, fire, all those first responders, as well as veterans. We found that veterans often go into first responder duties or services right. after the military. It's a yeah. common second career. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So we we just continue the the love and it, you know, and it's it is a really trust building, relaxing chill weekend where they they really can you know the horses do all the work so i can't take any credit for what what happens there they really do anyway they should call and that's the numbers that you're going to give here in just a minute for the calendar or they could write to admin at montyroberts.com a-d-m-i-n you know admin at m-o-n-t-y-r-o-b-e-r-t-s.com and just put your name in there as either as a supporter or somebody who might like to attend and then what we'll do is we'll have one of our veterans give them a call. Very good. And again, that's MontyRoberts.com. All the information is there, including this phone number, 805-688-6288. So MontyRoberts.com has all the information you need, which includes contacting them by phone or email. So that's the only thing you need to remember is the MontyRoberts.com. There you go. And for Mm -hmm. details about today's show, episode 156, you can go to HorsemanshipRadio.com where you're going to find links photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. 
And we love your feedback. We love your ideas. We love to hear about how much you enjoyed a given guest or topic. And we can communicate that to Debbie and the rest of us here at the Horsemanship Radio by going to Facebook. Go Mm -hmm. in there and type in Monty Roberts. Hit the like button. Hit the follow button. And then put a post up. We'd love you to do that. You can also do it on Twitter or or Instagram. And what is his handle on Twitter and Instagram? Monty underscore Roberts. Ta-da! Yep, you got it in there. There you go. And don't forget to get the app. Go to your app store. Go to Horse Radio Net- or search for horseradionetwork.com and download it to your, your Android or iPhone. And uh, probably two-thirds of the people listening to my voice right now have already done that. So the one-third of the people so. who have not, yeah. go find a friend who's under the age of 20 and they will do it for you. <laughs> That's so true. Or if you get locked out, you know, they'll help you get your password back. That's All those right. things are wonderful resources they are. <laughs> find a nine-year-old, they'll hack into your phone. You'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Probably. Well, and, and, you know, do I have to explain what an underscore is? I don't think so, no, right? No, everybody knows. That's the dash okay. that's at the bottom. That's an underscore. The, yeah, the, bot- yeah the, the dash or the hyphen that sunk. Yes. That's right. The exactly. sinking, <laughs> it's a sinking hyphen. Exactly. I don't even want to go there. I don't know. But many thanks to our sponsors, too. That's Omega Fields, Cavallo Horse and Rider, and Monty Roberts University. Be sure to visit all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network, too, at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 